today on The Breakdown. It's another one of those breakdowns. You know the kind I mean. The kind with Garrett Adelstein having $150,000 in front of him. It's a cash game. It's a 25-50 game, but somehow he has more blinds than anyone in the history of the world. And he's going to put those blinds to use because one thing Garrett does is when he's got soldiers, he sends them out into battle. And we're going to watch him try and thread quite the needle in this hand because you could argue this is a three-way cooler and that it'd be hard for people to get away from their hands. Garrett is really going to try to get some people off their hands. We're going to get into it right now on The Breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. So when Garrett has soldiers, he sends them into battle. Yeah. That's like, uh, it's like if a, then B it necessitates. Sure. So if it's like Garrett you put a chocolate Adelstein, cake in front of me, I'm going to eat it. So Same if thing. Garrett Adelstein became the president of the United States, he has yeah. the army at his command. He's just going to perpetual invade, war. Invade random countries. Just because when he has soldiers, he sends them into battle. He's like, you know what? What has Chad done for me recently? Chad <laughs> under attack. <laughs> Now, when you say Chad, you don't mean the country Chad. You mean the guy Chad, right? <laughs> Go I'm attack Chad. Chad. Chad from Scottsdale. Yeah. <laughs> Go get him. Yeah. See, you're making it sound like he's going to send his soldiers into battle multiple times. He could just do it once. It could be one long engagement, you know, while he's president. It could be an eight-year theater of war, theater of battle, you know. Sounds Instead good. of like every week, he, send, he sends more guys into a different place, which I think is irresponsible. I think what we need is is some advisors to to steer them in the direction of like the easiest places to invade, so that the wars are really easy for us to win, and like we don't have to worry about it. Like Luxembourg, places oh, man. like I'd love to fight those guys. <laughs> yeah, they have tons of money too. We could take all that. <laughs> yeah, and they're just a little uppity, don't you think, Luxembourg? Yeah, okay, Luxembourg. Maybe might, get a different name. It might not play Bastards. well in the press. It also might not play well in the press, but Vatican City. I mean, kind of easy. Need <laughs> so much money. Yeah. Don't they have like cool guards though? Oh yeah. Do you think those guys can actually fight? I feel like some of them probably can, like really well, or like super trained. Maybe that's just some cool movies I saw, like Hudson Hawk, but which was a cool movie and is about the Vatican and maybe the guards of the Vatican. Yeah, I think so. Also, um, the the movie with Tom Hanks, the oh, you know. Angels yeah. and demons and well, the one before that, the yeah, big the, one, the famous the, one, the Da Vinci that Code. Called? That's the one. There's a, there's definitely at least one guy. I think it's been too long, but maybe like a cool, like religious soldier type dude who really, who really slaps. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so you think maybe we should avoid Vatican City? You think they might be too tough? It's close. I mean, the money is so good. There aren't that many of them. I say let's go for it. This is, and this is the thing, when you're the president, it's not you, it's just other people anyway. Go do it, whatever. All right, so we're just going to invade the rich countries then. Monaco, we got to go for Monaco. Oh, Monaco is just sitting there waiting to be plucked like a <laughs> beautiful flower. Yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. I guess it's uh, Edelstein for president then. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the platform he's going to run onto. I will invade small, rich countries. Vote for me. <laughs> <laughs> cool yeah cool times i was actually gonna say um 
the whole soldiers marching in a battle thing from a poker point of view, I think there is something to this where people view their stacks differently. Some people view like a big chip stack as something to be protected. And other people view a big chip stack as weapons and ammunition that they can use to attack others, you know? And they're, they're both have, you, depending on the situation, they can both be correct to see it that way. But I think viewing it as ammunition often is, is a powerful way to think of it, you know, instead of like, I have to keep, I have to hold on to this for dear life. Well, I think there's probably a, a combination approach that works. And I, I feel like actually that's embodied by Doyle Brunson, who's like, he talks about this stuff sometimes where he's like, it's like he's using his chips both as ammunition and as his, like, his family, because he calls his chips his babies, but he also says he has to protect his babies. And the only way he does that is with other chips. So he's like, he's doing both. He doesn't call them his babies. He calls them his children. Oh, he does? Come on, man. Whatever. It's really, it's, it's a little offensive that you would call them babies. I'm sorry. You're I'm sorry to be... You're sexualizing infants, and I have a I'm problem s- with it. <laughs> sexualizing. <laughs> so I'm just calling you out for it because I feel that's not cool. All right. I'd like to issue a public apology to all infant <laughs> listeners. Oh, my God, because no one else... Because if you're not an infant, you won't, won't be offended by this. That is really the height of disgust that I'm currently experiencing. Apologize to everyone. It's like one out of every four podcasts, you try to gaslight the world into thinking that I'm some sort of horrible person. Yeah. All it has to do is work once, right? Yep. <laughs> Take as many shots as I want. It's a numbers game from my point of view. Sooner or later, they're, co- they're going to come for you, buddy. You're supposed to gaslight the world into thinking that suggestors are horrible people. That's what I, we're supposed to do. I used to do that, but it, it got too easy. Got too easy. I felt like, yeah, I get everybody gay up on Mark Testart anytime I want. But well, Grant, now that's, that's, that's a fun mountain to climb. Well, it's going to be real easy to take shots at this group of, of chads. Mark Testart, Leo Chen, and Casper Kwok, the people who suggested this hand. Why are you putting those guys down? Those guys are really strong suggestors. Yeah, but so? See, this is classic Grant. Sexualizing children or babies. I'm saying that children. <laughs> That's a bridge too far. <laughs> I'm sorry for saying it. No, just babies and infants. Um, <laughs> but you know what you okay. do? You know what you do what? that's not okay? Is what? You're doing this implicitly right now. You're sexualizing the suggestors. You're, sec- you're sexualizing <laughs> Casper Quack right now. How am I doing? How? Ask How Casper. Ask Casper. See what he has to say. He probably won't want to talk to you. Casper's, Casper's point of view does not mean that I, whatever his point of view is it doesn't mean that i'm doing oh you're saying I'm the doing. sexual you're saying the sexual object doesn't get to have a point of view that's what you're saying first of all you're calling him an object is problematic on a lot of levels second of all of course the object can have a point of view why are we doing this why are we digging this all of course the object can have a point of view but it doesn't mean that he knows my point of view only i know my point of view right that's that's just truth it's just factual. Only he except can. For, only I can know my end. Except for Leo Chen, the other suggester, because he knows you so well. He probably knows your point of view. Leo Chen knows what's up. Yeah, Leo yeah. Chen gets it. That's fair. But we got these are three like kind of uh, this is sort of a starry group, wouldn't you say, of suggestors? I mean, it's not fair. It's not fair to Mark Testart to say that he's in the same category as these other guys. He's he's one of the he, goats. He, yeah, no, he he's dragging the whole group upward with him. They're riding his coattails right now for sure. It's like you know. LeBron's on the team, so we're winning 55 games every year, a little bit. Like, I'm pretty good. I'm a starter, but like LeBron, I mean, without LeBron, we're, we're in the lottery, <laughs> bro, every year, right? It's sort of like that. Not to but disparage. Like Leo Chen's been coming on. 
Yeah, not to disparage Leo Chen or Casper Kwok. They're both quality suggestors. It's just hard to stand up to one of, one of the great Aussies of, of breakdown suggestors. It's amazing how many great poker hand suggestors come from Australia. What are they doing differently down there? I don't even know. It's impressive. You can watch, uh, because of the way the toilet water flows, you can watch poker at like a 10% faster rate. And that, just, that marginal difference, of course, at, at the, the, the high-end level, those thin margins matter, you know? You know, you can, though, just on YouTube, like up the view speed at any time you want. Anyone can do that. Oh, do you have like a bootleg Australian internet or something? <laughs> did you... I do have a VPN, so yes, sort of. Any hoots and hollers, maybe get to the hand. I don't know. We spent a lot of time talking about not the hand. I feel like you say any hoots and hollers way too much. <laughs> Love saying that. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. It's a great thing. That's like your most Midwestern suburban dad thing that you do. Yeah, yeah. You, are, I, you are none I of those things. A, I heard it on a podcast and I thought it was really funny. So now I say it. Okay. Any hoots and hollers, let's get to the hand. Okay, here we go. Garrett Edelstein. Oh, by the way, if you want to be uh, chastised because you suggested a hand and we did it, because that, that happens, please suggest it on Twitter like these guys did and include a YouTube link. We are the poker guys on Twitter. All right. So. All right, here we go. There's a, it's a 25-50 game. Garrett Edelstein is the protagonist, as he so often is. He's got 150K in front of him. That's 3,000 blinds. We don't know why he does this, but he, he does all the time, every game he ever plays in. This uh, he can, he can, and he can double through him with his $80,000 that he's got, and Garrett doesn't have to reload automatically. But I yeah. assume Garrett would, so that way he has the same amount of chips as Andy anyway. Please continue. <laughs> yes. All right. So he raises in the hijack to 300 with Ace of Clubs, Jack of Diamonds. Now, 300 might seem like a lot in 2550. We don't know what the situation is, but before Garrett acts, it says there's $175 in the pot despite it being a 2550 game. So either there's a $100 ante by one player, which would be weird in a 2550 game, or two players had the post and already folded or something. <laughs> they can't they can't fold or like had the post dead money maybe for missing a lot of orbits. Is it a full table? I can't tell. I'm wondering if it's like a, an anti, like a $20 anti. Maybe. And there's five players. Anyway, who cares? Whatever. There's an extra $100 in there. So he makes, it, he makes it 300. Yeah. So just so the math adds up, it'll, it'll just keep in mind there's 175 before he did that. Makes it 300 with Ace of Clubs, Jack of Diamonds in the hijack. Player named Shane, who is unfortunately for Shane, the garbage human of this hand, calls the cutoff with King 10. We don't care about him. Then there's a player named Gal, who we have done a breakdown on before at least once. I remember it being a wacky hand. I don't remember what happened. Do you, Jonathan? I do. First of all, it's Gal. 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 And uh, I think he's Israeli. And uh, it's a hand where he had like bottom pair. He had like a deuce or a tray or something like that. And he called like three huge barrels with just bottom pair against one of these crazy dudes. And was he was right. right, right? So, yeah, he was, was he, correct. He, yeah. he, he won the pot. Well, Gall's got a, a more reasonable stack for this game. He's got 35K in front of him, which is still a lot. Still a lot for a 2550 game. That's a huge amount for a 2550 game. Well, if it's a 2550 game amount. with a $20 ante, that does change things. It does. It does. That, still, that, 700 blinds feels like a lot to me. Yeah. But if it has a $20 ante, that makes it a really much bigger game. Yeah. Like the equivalent of like a 75, 150 or something. Yeah. It feels like it's either a $20 ante or the button has to put 100 bucks in or something like that. Yeah, something time. like that. Anyway, Gall does something that I think is pretty bad. He okay, flats. Good. 
He flats out of the small blind with ace of hearts, four of clubs, ace, four off small blind flats, the six X open. Boy, that sounds awful. Like horror bad. Yeah. I think this is just a fold. I mean, like you could three bet, but Garrett's not going to fold the majority of his range. He's Garrett. And you don't want to be in that position against the guy who's going to put you in tough spots with a hand that doesn't flop well. So I think it's okay just to let it go. Agree completely. Like if Garrett's not going to fold the majority of his range, then we can just wait for good hands and three bet with those hands and not worry about it. It's cool that this is a squeeze opportunity, but we're not getting it through anyway. We know this. And we're going to be out of position with a bad hand against Garrett that doesn't flop well. Like why, why do any of that? Like I think we should just fold. Does that make calling better than three betting, even though most of the time calling is way worse than three betting? here i don't think so i think three betting is still better because we at least get the initiative we would um knock out the big blind by by betting we would often knock out the caller uh the garbage human whoever that is depending on how we size it once in a blue moon we'll get it by garrett but we'll also be able to see bet and win on the flop a fair amount you know maybe not every time but sometimes we're gonna win more often i think i think it's better to three bet i think both suck yeah i do too Anyway, he flats. It's bad. Marco is in the big blind. He's another player that we have seen before briefly in uh, last week's episode on Monday, actually. Mm. Uh, he's the guy who folded pocket threes in the Andy versus Ken hand when he would have oh. fopped a set of threes and river to full house when Andy just goes nuts. Um, I don't know if Andy would have gone nuts if Marco was in there, but whatever. Probably not, but yeah. It's that Marco. He's in the big blind with 25K and three of hearts, four of diamonds. Decides to make the call. He is closing the action. He's getting a reasonable price, but the 6X makes it like, it's still 3-4 off. You could fold. How deep is he? How much does he have? 25K. He's the effective stack. At least he's really deep. I would, I would probably just fold 3-4 off, but you can make a reasonable case that you're, all, you're still getting a price. You're closing the action, and there's a lot of implied odds if you somehow you know, make a straight or something. Yep. Of course, there are reverse implied odds to a lot of those trades you would make too, but okay, like whatever. So the pot's going to be 1300 because of that extra 100 in there for however it got in there. Four ways going to the flop. And uh, four ways to make yourself happy is get on nitrogen, go to nitrogen, be on nitrogen, say hey to nitrogen, nitrogen that, poker. That was only three ways. That was four. I counted nope. with my fingers. I counted. I was using my fingers to make sure I got it right. Oh, yeah, because your fingers are really good at counting. They are when it comes to nitrogen sports, Jonathan. And if you use the link when you sign up, the link that we put in the description of all of our podcasts, um, if you use that link when you sign up, you get access to our exclusive tournament, which is the best iterated value in poker, as Jonathan likes to say. Hell yeah. It's a guarantee of 1,000 buy-ins. It's a 0.1 millibit buy-in. So they're guaranteeing 100 millibits. We never get more than 180 or so players. That means there's a massive overlay and you're a fool to not play. That's what it means. I mean, Grant just laid that out there, but I mean, I appreciate the truth telling aspect and you're just not, you know, not pulling punches with these guys. Like they're fools not to be on, not to be playing this tournament. They're fools not to sign up using the link in the description. They're fools not to be playing on nitrogen sports poker. They're fools. <laughs> yes, but you know, you could be a non-fool by signing up. Of course, nitrogen mm. also has casino games. Sports betting when there are sports. Um, so, you know, it's a good place. They also give you your money quickly. 90 minutes. Get on there. Sweet. It's pretty sweet. It's like candy. What kind of I candy? I would sing a song about it, but I'm not going to. 
What's the best kind of candy? Wow. Man, there's so many great kinds of candy. It's, it's, I struggle to answer that, at least without a real deep thought. I feel like I would have been able to answer it a lot better when I was 14. Yeah, like, you know, pretzel M&M's kind of rock, but they can't be the best kind of candy. Toblerone's really good, but come on. I mean, I could do this for all day, yo. Baby Ruth, shockingly good. A chunky bar doesn't suck, but they can't be the best. You know, also when we say candy, are we including like high end candy or like the kind of stuff you'll find at like the local grocery store? It has store? to be like branded. Yeah. Cause like you can't, you can't say like, well, my favorite restaurant where I get a $300 meal and the dessert yeah. is a $24 like fudge brownie that is exactly. incredible with cocoa from like the Chilean mountains and shit. Like, I almost entirely agree with what you said, but I am deeply upset. And I know the audiences too with you for somehow saying a brownie is candy. What the hell is your world, bro? Brownie is not candy in any way. Those are that's a baked good. Where are you right now in your head? I guess I'm not a candy expert. Yeah, and- I guess not. You know what else is in candy? Cereal, cookies, pizza. Those things are not candy. <laughs> so is a is what a is he sexualizing babies <laughs> that you can't even, you don't even know what candy is. <laughs> By the way, the candy might help with the whole. I'm just saying. <laughs> I appreciate the tips. Um, so <laughs> you're saying that a brownie is not candy, but a Toblerone is. Yes. A Toblerone is a chocolate confection that you buy like in a, like it's in the candy aisle. There's an aisle. Go to the candy aisle in your local grocery store and All right, see so, what they have. It's so is very, any chocolate bar, is any chocolate bar candy? I think so. Like the, even like so. the, like organic, organic sustainable chocolates that you can buy at the, Grocery stores in Portland. Those are well, you just said this whole thing about them being branded. So I'm not sure if that counts or not. But if it's like a brand name and it's like in a little wrapper and it's chocolate. And like if you you gave it to a kid and the kid wouldn't necessarily know that it wasn't a Hershey bar. Yeah, it's candy. Okay. I can't believe we had to do this. This is like shocking to me. So what's high-end candy then? What were you referring to? (laughs) I was referring to like being at um, Embellagio. They have that one store where they make like marshmallows by hand and they make all sorts of like little candy treats and stuff like that by hand. Sort of ah. what you were talking about where it's like, this is, you know, a particular chocolate thing, but it's like, it's not one of a kind, but it's the only place in the world you can get it. I don't think that really counts. Uh, I was going towards like desserts at fancy restaurants as being like, what is better than candy, but also sweet. Right. But just not just not candy is the thing. Those, those I guess fine. If, you, if that's where you want It's wanna... weird that you wouldn't know that. You've added a normal education and you're not unintelligent, but... That, that's the so nicest the, thing you've ever said about me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I felt weird saying it, actually. The whole thing, felt, I felt artificial and uncomfortable, and but I did say it and it's out there now. Okay, good. Now everybody has to listen to that. <laughs> let's, let's, let's get back to the hand. All right, so there's... <laughs> okay. A candy discussion needed to be had, I guess. A $1,300 pot here heading to the flop four ways. Garrett has ace jack off. Shane has king 10 off. Gal has ace four off. Marco has three four off. Nobody has a spade in their hand. That matters because the flop is ace of diamonds, three of spades, four of spades. That's kind of a cooler flop though, bro. Yeah, Marco and Gal, the two, or sorry, Gal, the two blinds have flopped two pair. Gal with top two. Marco with bottom two. And of course, Garrett has top pair with a reasonable kicker. We would refer, of course, to Marco and Gall as unsighted, not blind. That's, I think that's ableist. 
What 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 is your deal today? What are you doing? I've been. This is week ten. Okay, week ten of all by myself. I don't have a pet. I don't live with anyone. I'm all by myself over here, man. I talk to you every day for like an hour or two. Two things. Yeah. One, you could get a pet. Nobody's stopping you from getting Actually, a pet. Actually, it's hard right now to get a pet. But it's, you could. It's really hard. Yeah. Hard and impossible are different. I don't want, I don't want a pet. Okay. So you're complaining <laughs> about a thing you don't want. I wasn't complaining. I'm just saying I don't have one. And that's right. an explanation for why Second I am the thing. way I am. Second yeah. thing. Your 10 weeks in quarantine somehow manifests as you have to make me look bad. That's like, that's like your symptom. <laughs> I just need to, I need to stretch my legs and this is the only way I know how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. This is either a great podcast or a bad podcast. I think it's great, but it's hard to know. It's a little hard to know when you're in the middle of it, you know, it's yeah. When you're longtime fans, I think will enjoy this. I think. Uh, who cares? Eh, if not, fuck them. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares? All right. So, <laughs> so um, ace three, four, two spades. We've got the right. two pairs in the blinds, both of them with two pair, and Garrett with ace jack. And let me tell you, the flop's going to get a little bananas. Going to get a yeah. little wacky. Gall is going to check. Is there any argument for him leading with top two? I think on an ace high board, it's a strange time to lead. I agree. Um, at the same point, we rate to almost always have the best hand as Gall. Yes. And so, and we can get value from aces if we just lead. And we also get to, you know, there, the board is a little bit wet and four ways isn't great if it checks through. I, I think we should, we should probably consider leading. I don't think I would, but it's not crazy to lead now that I'm talking it out a little bit where we have a hand that can totally handle any amount of heat. Basically. Yeah. Maybe yeah. we should lead. Maybe. I mean, it is weird on the ace high board though. Like you said, it looks really strong. Although it, could, it looks like a combo draw at worst, usually yep. when we lead here, right? I don't know. Maybe we get a five, six off or something. So I guess the same thing probably applies to Marco, who has bottom two. Although I feel, I feel like the argument for him leading is a little stronger because his hand is more vulnerable. Yes, it is it definitely more vulnerable. Also, we don't block an ace. So there's more likely to be aces out there where um, with Gaul with the ace four, he's blocking top pair a little bit. Right. So it's harder to get action. Still can't be that bad to take it down right now. Anyway, really with four ways out of position to the world, two spades on the board, you know, either way, both the blinds check. Yeah. It's going to bet. That seems like a normal thing to do with ace jack on this board. It does. He bets pretty small. He bets 500 and 1300. Yeah. He's just seen it as the ace high. Like if you don't have an ace and you don't have spades, you're not calling anyway. Right. Yep. Well, Shane folds. Now, what do you think Gall should do? Should he call or should he raise? Ace four, top two. I think you should start raising right now. I think it's really great that Garrett bet. Garrett's pretty sticky. Garrett's deep. Um, we're going to be out of position. We don't want it to check through on the turn. We can't really do anything. It's like, it'd be weird to call and then lead the turn. I guess we could do that, but I prefer raising right now. Yeah, I mean, Garrett's a guy who's just not going to believe you. That's his nature, you know? So like, if he has an ace, you might be able to get effectively like four streets of value, which is really more than four streets of value because you've increased the size of the pot and the size of the future bets so much. Garrett also is the kind of guy who might lose his mind once in a while. And let, let's make the pot big enough that if he loses his mind, we can get all the money in, you know, like yeah. if he's got a big spade draw, he might go crazy and like, cool, let's get it all in right now where we're a significant favorite against that kind of, and if he has a pair and a, a pair and a draw, we're way ahead of that, you know, like way more ahead than we might normally be. So 
it's pretty cool. Yeah, I like raising. But Gall decides to call. Okay. He, do, he makes a Gall call. So call. Marco now has bottom two. And it kind of looks like Garrett either has a hand like he has or is just C-betting because of the ace-high board. Yeah. And it looks like uh, Gall either has some sort of medium flush draw or like ace-10 suited or something like that. That's correct. That's exactly yeah. what it looks like. Feels like a very natural place to put in a, a big chunky raise. And Marco does put in a raise, 2,100. I'm guessing you would like it to be a bit bigger than that. So, because Garrett at 500 and we have a call. Yeah. So now there's 2,300 in the pot, right? Yeah. I'd want it to be a little bigger because we're sort of letting Garrett sizing determine our sizing, which yeah. I don't know why we need to do that. Like if someone, if someone has, if Garrett has a big ace, he's not going to fold. If he doesn't have a big ace, he's going to, he's, you know, like, might as well get yeah. value. We can get more value from the hands that aren't going to fold and the hands that are going to fold, they're going to fold anyway. So yeah, let's go bigger. All right. So Garrett is probably unhappy with the situation. Marco could easily have deuce five suited, right? Um, yeah, actually he could. He could have deuce. Five. He has all the two pair, I guess. He has all I mean, the granted, two pair and all of the deuce five suited at least. Uh-huh. He has, he has the baby sets too. Yeah. He has a pretty, pretty significant range advantage on this board, it seems, against his opponents. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think that's so, right. Should Garrett consider folding? Probably not with this hand, right? Garrett doesn't have a spade in his hand, right? He does not. Nobody has a spade. I guess if you're Garrett and you've got $150,000 in front of you, you're like super deep. We got position on, on Marco. We did flop reasonably well. It seems like it's a hand that we can't just bet fold unless we know that we're up against the tightest of the tight type of players, right? I think yeah. we're probably supposed to call. And hate it. Yeah. There's, hate there's it. a few players you can just throw your hand away right now, but mostly you should call. Yeah. I mean, we're just beating spade draws that decide to play this way, 5-6 that decides to play this way. Maybe Marco's the type of player who's going to take any deuce X suited that he felt obligated to call with preflop and turn those into bluffs on this board because he has a range advantage. Maybe. Maybe Marco's the kind of guy who raises top pair. I can't imagine that he is. Like raising a worse top pair. No, it doesn't seem likely. Yeah. Some people do that, though. Yeah. Marco strikes me as like a guy who knows what he's doing, though. I mean, just saying, Ted Lawson, this is a little different, but Ted Lawson in the World Series of Poker, day three of the main event... With $2 million in earnings as one of World Poker Tour was raising top pair with bad kickers all the time, constantly. And I was shocked. He might be a bad player. And like, yeah, I think he probably is. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry, let's continue. All right, so Marco makes a 2100. Garrett does call. Yeah. What do you want to do if you're Gall now? Top two with this action. Whew. It's close. Okay, obviously we're not folding, right? Yeah. We, we, we believe we're almost always ahead of Garrett. It'd be really weird to not be ahead of Garrett right now. Like, it seems very likely to be ahead of Garrett. It feels pretty reasonable that Marco could have us beat right now. He could, but there aren't that many combos of things that beat us, really. Like, it's deuce five suited and pocket threes, right? That's it? It's also pocket fours. There's a combo. Okay, there's one combo pocket fours. You're right. And I guess the other big question is, and I'm going to look right now, is just how deep each of these players are ultimately. Like, so these guys are pretty deep too, and that's the thing, right? So Marco has 25,000, Gall has 35,000, and Garrett has even more. So, so we put in a raise here. The problem, of course, is if, if Marco decides to put in another raise. Yeah, well, are we, can we possibly hold on at that point? 
it seems bad to like raise this hand and fold it. Um, at the same point, we're out of position of both these players and it sucks to be out of position with, with a hand where there's a lot of bad cards that are going to come, right? Spades yeah. are bad. Deuces are bad. Fives are bad. Um, for different reasons, they're bad. Sometimes they kill action. Sometimes they kill our hand, right? I mean, almost any card over a four feels bad because Garrett could have made a bigger two pair, you know? Yeah, like any Broadway card seems not great for sure. Oh. I think we should put in a race. I don't love it, but I think we've got top two. I can think of hands we're beating. We're beating ace three. We're beating spade draws. We're beating straight draws. We're beating three, four. I think we should put in a race. It's and mostly an equity denial thing and making it easier to play in the future. Is that what that is? It's also getting, it's also gets value from worse hands from a, from a fair amount of worse hands. I mean, what hand, what worse hands does it get value from? Ace three, three, four spades, maybe five, six, sometimes maybe combo draws. Well, Marco has three, four and Gaul is going to raise. Do you think Marco should call? Yeah, that's a good question. Now that we're actually here. So we raise and then, Gall just went from calling to raising out of nowhere after Garrett flatted. No, I can't call with three, four. So that's so not getting, value. I don't know if I can call with ACE three either. Now that I'm thinking about it in that yeah. spot, because the story is so strong. Yeah. Looks incredibly strong. I mean, I think it's a damned if you do damned, if you don't situation at this point yeah. for Gall, it's not a good spot. It's not too bad to deny equity. The problem is of course, we're all so deep. This where being this deep is really problematic, right? If we had, if we had 10 K in front of us, and the raise was to 2100 and Garrett calls. I'm like, cool, let's just put a chips in and whatever happens, happens. But right. where we're 25K effective with Marco and, and more with, with um, Garrett, suddenly there's so much more that we have to both protect against and protect. We have to protect in all the different ways. Like we want to protect by denying equity, but we also want to protect by not putting all these chips in where we're drawing dead or effectively dead or near dead. Anyway, you know, like Garrett can still have pocket aces. It's not impossible. Yeah, he could. But there's one combo and we can't like, I don't think we should worry too much about monsters under the bed with something like that. So let's play this out though. So Gaul is going to raise to six K. Okay. And uh, before we talk about what Marco's decision is here, let's ask the, the question. What if Marco effectively moved in? Yeah. Garrett folded. Like you can't call off 25 K total over six K as Gaul, right? It, it depends on what we know about Marco. Okay, but let's say we know nothing about him except okay. for what we've seen so far, which is like what you and I have seen, which is like he has the posture of a good poker player and he seems to have a reasonable thought process based on what the two hands I've seen him play. Uh, well, here's the thing. We, we would need to... It's probably... We probably can't call because when we combine the value... When we combine our equity against his value hands and his bluffs, his bluffs all have good equity against us also. Right. I was thinking that too. When we add that together with the value, right? Because it's combo draws. If we don't expect him to do it with three, four, ace, three, that leaves us with deuce five suited, three combos of three, three, three combos of four, four, or one combo of four, four. So that gives us seven combos of things that are beating us. And then he maybe has like, well, it actually depends. If he has any five X or deuce X of spades, he has all of those combos. He should. He should have that. We're doing decent against those not amazing but like we're like what 55 percent, maybe even 60 yeah probably closer to 60 because we can turn them dead sometimes so right. if we weigh that against all of the combos that are beating us which are seven combos like maybe we get to a point where we can actually call by the way if he is the five x of spades or the do 
to spades. Of course, we wouldn't be able to turn him dead because he can reverse right flush, yeah. reverse the wheel, but steel wheel, but still mostly dead, <laughs> dead to one out. Um, the problem is the value that we'd be up against, like if it's pocket threes or the straight, have us in real bad shape where we suddenly only have four outs. Yeah. So we're doing terrible equity wise there. And if we're, a, if we're a reasonable, but only slight favorite, like 55 to 60% against the combo draws, but we're huge dogs against the value. Unless we think he's got combo draws all day long, you know, then I don't know if we can call. Also, the other question we have to ask ourselves is, does this guy ever, can this guy ever have ace three and, and put in a raise here? Because there are some players who will put in another raise with ace three here. Yeah. Ace three is in a tough spot, but so is three, four, which is what Marco actually has. Yes. So let's talk about the real decisions that happen here because Marco is in there with three, four, and I don't think any reasonable player is going to move in with three, four in this spot. No way. Three four has got to really go into the muck. Yeah, at this point, it feels I mean, like we're just we're just toast. I mean, maybe Gall is doing this with a flush draw, maybe. But I mean, you kind of got to just let him do it. I think if he's doing it with a flush draw. I mean, look, it's one thing if Garrett didn't flat our raise, but Garrett flatting our raise and now Gall still doing it feels really different. You know, like now it feels stronger. Yeah, because you think Garrett isn't gonna fold. Like, Gall can't think he has a lot of fold equity against Garrett when Garrett calls our, our initial raise, right? Yeah. So, now, Garrett has exactly the kind of hand that he may be able to fold here because it's just says Jack. But still, like, you would think mostly Gall would, Gall would assume that he's not going to get two folds here when he puts in the raise. So that's a reason to fold 3-4 when, when Garrett hasn't acted yet. Yeah, I feel like it's a pretty clear fold. It yeah. sucks. Me too. But- Ace three is probably a fold too, but I could see I could see talking myself into doing something else depending on the opponents. Yeah, you know, if it's like Garrett and Andy, I might be like I raise, like whatever. Let's find out what happens. You know? <laughs> yeah, here goes twenty five k. Yeah, whatever. I didn't need that Camry anyway. Anyway, Marco lets it go. Seems like a right decision to me, and in the moment yeah. it was. And interestingly enough, Garrett does not let it go. He calls with Ace Jack. I mean, he's closing the action at this point, but still, there's it's this been seems, three. It's been three bet. This seems really questionable. Yeah. The only way I can justify this call is if we think Gall is going to play complete face up from here on out, so we can make like perfect decisions the rest of the way. Otherwise, I don't know what the hell we're doing. Maybe we like we, we could be up against a set very easily and be drawing almost completely dead. We could be up against a straight. I wouldn't expect we're up against, but a set very reasonable. Yeah. He calls the six X from what is he? The small blind. Yep. Absolutely. can have pocket threes and pocket fours. Absolutely. Of course we, we would think he could have ACE four suited anyway. Right. Um, we're not doing like amazing against five, six suited anyway, by the way, we're like probably about 50, 50, maybe you mean the slightest dog. You mean of you know spades, of course, yeah, of course of spades. Yeah. Not just any five six suited, yeah. Um, I so unless we think like if a spade comes and he checks, that means he's always he's always screwed. Like he always doesn't have a he never has a spade. Uh, he never has a flush. I should say if a spade comes and gall checks. If we know that, or if or if because we called and a spade doesn't come and gall checks, that means he's got a flush draw but he's giving up. If we know he's going to like play a hundred percent face up or nearly a hundred percent face up. On the turn, we can make this call. Otherwise, I do not want anything to do with this hand. I'd like to save that 3900 and throw away my cards right now. I have, a, I have an idea of where you got that notion, Jonathan. I don't think you would have yeah. brought it up if you didn't know what happened in the hand because the turn is the nine of spades. After the I think call. I might have brought it up anyway because it's hard to come up with reasons to justify this call if you can't figure out, you know what, if you don't think you know what Gaul's doing. 
Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's probably not justifiable really. Um, yeah. Unless you like have just like your maybe maybe it's like stronger than what you're saying. You have just like a laser understanding of Gaul, and he's yeah. lost in the woods against you, and you can you're, he's he's your puppet. You're the puppet master. Maybe, yeah. maybe you actually think you have a tell on him, like a, a legit read on him. And so like he makes the raise, and you're like, he's not super calm. He's not like wildly strong. He's just strong. And like I might be able to, I might hit a jack. I might be able to move him off him later. If he bets again, I'm going to know where he's at. You know, like one way or the other, I'll know he's bluffing. I'll know he isn't. If you feel that com- confident, then maybe you can make the call also. But what the hell, man? Like, yeah, I feel like how, we're... How often is something three bet by a guy who had just called the initial raise and they don't have a super strong hand? And how often is somebody's read on somebody actually that good? Almost yeah. never. Especially in these games, like where we're now like bigger, you know, like and maybe maybe in your home game where it's 10 cent, 20 cent, you've got the person who, you know, talks to the Oreo every time, John Alkovich, before they uh, before they do something. But, you know, I mean, sure. Even but even so, like even playing against players that I consider bad and uh, back when live poker was allowed, one of my greatest strengths in live poker was reading people. And I think you can attest to that. I'm pretty good at that. Um, Yeah. I'm among the better players in our area at reading people. Still, I would misread players who I consider not good players and very obvious. And I would misread things they did like relatively frequently, like not hmm. like I would get it right a decent amount of time, but I would still get it wrong sometimes. Like nobody can be a hundred percent sure they have a perfect read on somebody, you know? Sure. But if you think you're going to be right 70% of the time, then as Garrett, you maybe you can make this call. Yeah. You know, that's like a money-making you can put this 3,900 in now because you're so sure about the last 40,000 that's going to go in. You'll be able to make a really, you'll be able to at 70% confidence on that 40,000. That's like enough to pay for this 3,900 right now, which it would be. Maybe. So that's, that's all I got though. It feels like that isn't what's going on though. It feels to me like Garrett is being stubborn and is like, well, if he checks, I'm going to bet probably. I don't know. I don't even know what he's going to do if, if like, uh, I know the nine of spades comes, but if a brick comes, I guess Gall is just going to bet again if a brick comes. But, but like Garrett's plan, if a brick were to come and Gall were to check, would he be betting or not? Would he be bluffing? <laughs> would he be checking back to like pot control with a pretty good hand? Like you don't think you're ahead very often, right? I don't know. The whole thing seems really questionable. Yeah. I mean, he, it must be a little bit of the read thing, a little bit of like, he could have a spade draw and I could be ahead. I don't know. He makes yeah. the call. He makes the nine call. of spades, nine of spades in the turn, 15, four in the pot. And, uh, this is a weird spot for Gaul. What are you supposed to do when the spade? Well, I mean, Garrett only has one of two things here, really, right? He's got spades or he's got a big ace. That's all you would think he can possibly have. You wouldn't. I mean, the big ace is almost surprising, isn't it? Like we are surprised that Garrett called. Yes, we are. But maybe this is a standard call for Garrett since he made it. You know what I mean? Maybe. So maybe if we're gone, we're in this game, which we are. We're in this game all the time. We watch and we get to watch Garrett on live the bike and know what he's doing with all his hands. Uh, maybe we know that he actually really can show up with a big ace here. But is Gall the guy I, who can really do that? He's the guy who's calling ace four off out of the small blind. That's a great point. So probably not. I would assume that spade is really bad news for us as Gall. That feels yeah. like a terrible card. It does. It does. And he does check. And uh, this is kind of to your point. Like when the spade comes and Gaul checks, it feels really hard for Gaul to have a flush now, right? 
it seems pretty unlikely. I guess he could have the nut flush. That would be the only flush I think he'd play like this, right? Yeah, but you might expect him to continue betting that anyway some other time. I would. I would. Once Garrett calls, you feel like Garrett can have sets and stuff like that, maybe. maybe. So Garrett, Garrett can be relatively sure that Gall doesn't have a flush and relatively sure that Gall has him beat. Because if Gall doesn't have a flush and he three-bet the flop, he has to have ace-jack beat, right? Yes. It feels like it is a set. Yeah. I guess maybe he went nuts with 5-6, not of spades. Maybe he could have that. And then like decide that this, the spade was a give-up card for him? Um, possibly. Yeah, that's not insane. Where he's like, now I'm losing everything. Like, I can't even get Garrett off uh, a bluff. Yeah. You know, like, uh, uh, you know Garrett, Garrett, who doesn't have a made hand, but I can't get him off it now because now everything's made. Yeah. So anyway, golf checking feels like, yeah, I guess it makes sense, but it sucks. It feels face up. Sucks. So this is where things get interesting again because Garrett is going to now bet. And this, is, this has got to be a bluff, right? He's like putting it together that... Gall probably doesn't have a flush because he didn't bet this card. And Gall probably has me beat because he doesn't have a flush and he three bet that flop. So yep. I, have to, I have to bluff if I want to win this hand. And he's right. It's pretty cool, actually, to put it together like that. It's possible because that's the case that if a brick came instead and Gall continued betting, that Garrett would continue calling. Right. Like, well, I can beat the flush draw. Yeah, that's, that's, but, that would have to be part of the plan, I think. Yeah, so it's interesting. But anyway, yeah, so this comes, yeah, I think he absolutely puts this together. Like, oh, I'm, I'm definitely losing right now, and I got to do something about that. So we can, we can be a little bit, like, miffed by Garrett's flop call and some of the decisions he makes in general that are a little bit looser. But in real time, putting this together is pretty impressive and does justify some of these a little bit out-of-the-box plays if he can make up for it with actually putting together in real time stuff like this. It helps, for sure. Yeah. So he bets 6K into 15-4, thinking, like, maybe this is enough to do it on this flush card when... There's only one card to come, and the guy's going to have to pair the board, I guess, if he wants to beat me. I mean, I don't think he's expecting this to get through. I think he's betting 6K, expecting a set to call, and then if the board doesn't pair, he can bomb the river, I think is what he's doing. Because he he would charge charge a set more than 6K otherwise, right? Yeah. He knows a set's going to call for 6K. Yep. Well, Gall does call. He doesn't have a set, but he has basically a set. Same this is sort of a genius bet if you're putting Gall on a set and you're planning on barreling the river. Yeah. Right? Where you're like, I'm going to make the pet the pot bigger to steal later. Like, how awesome is that? You know? It's cool. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Pot's 27,400 now. River's the five of diamonds. There's now four to a straight, but that's not a huge factor at this point, the four to a straight, right? It's kind of like yeah. uh, Gall figuring out if Garrett has a set, uh, a flush or not at this point. And yeah. Gall checks. I don't think he has any other option. Garrett goes for it. He moves Gall in for 23,000 effective. Yep. See, he set up a nice, almost pot-sized shove there too by, uh, by betting 6K on the turn, which has got to be, must have been part of it. Here's another thing that's a slightly problematic for Gall. Could Garrett have ace-five suited? So he flopped top hair in a gutter, decided not to fold for all the same reasons. He has more equity than ace-jack has in his mind. And then he makes top two on the river and he's like, I can get, no, he wouldn't try and get value probably. No. He'd be worried about getting snapped by sets, right? If he goes for value there. So he'd either still be bluffing. Okay. But from Gaul's point of view, he might be like, oh God, ace five just beat me too. Ace deuce and ace five are now beating me. Well, Gaul's hand is in the muck before we even get to him. He folds. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
he's qu- he quickly folds. But I I want to touch on Garrett's thing. Like I think Garrett is only repping a flush right now because you said the ace five thing, and like I don't think sets are going to snap because I think Garrett is only repping a flush, and I think he's doing a good job of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think sets sets have to strongly consider folding the river. Yeah, like strongly, strongly considering because what else is he supposed to have? Right. And Garrett's like, turns out I'm supposed to have anything. Thing, apparently I have some weird top pair hand that no one would ever turn into a bluff and would have folded on the flop. And I said, somehow we're here. And I've decided to just put massive pressure on you. Garrett is telling a good story, which is part of it, right? He is telling a good story. That's good. He feels like he can read his opponent. Well, it's a lot of stuff has to go right for this play to work though. I mean, like it's impressive when you put it all together and it works and you see the end product. It's, it's impressive because it does seem like he realized that gall can't have too many flushes when he checks the turn and that gall has ace jack beat when, when he three bets the flop and then checks the turn. And that's like the whole crux of the hand, but you have to really be sure you're right about that to, to go for this and put in another $32,000, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Also, like, it's cool that it worked, but a spade only comes 20% of the time on the turn. And I guess a jack comes also. And as Garrett, we don't know if, an, if a jack is good for us or not. We would assume it probably, I wouldn't count on a jack bailing me out here, but we'd be locked. We'd be married to the hand probably. Yeah. Um, but if a brick came on the turn and Gal bet, he would bet more than 6,000, I think, because he had made it 6,000 on the, on the flop. Well, so, that wouldn't have worked out, but I think the Garrett's plan was to call down on those in those spots because he would. No, that's call. fine. But what I'm saying is, Gall makes it ten thousand instead, right? Yeah. So now the stack deposit is going to be such that if a spade comes on the river, Gall may check call instead of check full. Now maybe it goes check check on the river anyway if a spade comes. But I'm saying like the only like this has to go in a particular way so Garrett can set up the small bet on the turn for the bigger bet on the river. Otherwise, if if the if the stack to pot isn't what it is and the pot is big, significantly bigger than the stacks, which is what they would probably be if Gall could get a bet in on the turn, it's going to be way harder to bluff. I don't even know if Garrett's going to try. He may just, I guess he probably just folds the turn. It would be the same. I don't, know. On, I don't know what he does. His plans wouldn't be the same overall, depending on Gall's turn actions. Like Gall's turn action of check yeah. means, means to Garrett, oh, I have to bluff now. I can rep spades and he is unlikely to have spades. If Gall bets the turn, Garrett's either going to give up on his plan or be like, well, he still has too many spades. I'm going to call. And then right. if the river is a spade, maybe, maybe Garrett either folds if Gall bets or gives up if Gall checks. Right. Or maybe he goes for it, and then, but then the stack to pot is... I don't know if the stack to pot is going to work for him or not, but I, he'll, he'll be thinking about that, of course. So, he'll, so maybe, he'll, maybe he won't go for it because of that. But I'm saying this goes to your point of like, it's a bit of a parlay for this yeah. to all fit in perfectly. And it did. That's cool. But, you know, it's also a parlay all the same it is a bit of a parlay would have been nice for um gall if the case ace came on the river and he checked i don't know if garrett would have gone for value or not there probably not no he i shouldn't be able to he no, shouldn't you can't, go for you value can't go for, but, he, but you can't go for value i feel like people do that all the time garrett's not going for value there all right come on all right all right fine Whatever. all right we did it. We're done with the podcast. Goodbye. Hallelujah.
Music is my sunlight, and all I need is one mic. And I can show every single MC how it's done right. Every time I come by, I'm bound to leave them so tired. I'm sipping on liquor, a quitter is what I'm not. We got one life, and I took a minor break, but I'm back to claim the throne. I'm gonna be traveling the globe, we still have time to make it.